A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 52. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. My Story Tuesday conversation with Wilson was so packed and full of great discussion that I just had to share it all with you in two parts. In part one of our conversation today, Wilson talks about lessons he learned the hard way from solopreneurship, about burnout, and about creating and maintaining cultures that lead to incredible performance in teams and organizations. Part two will continue on Tuesday with discussion on Wilson's experience and perspective with angel investing and what businesses need to be investable. We wrap up with another couch round in which Wilson reflects on mistakes and growth as a business founder and leader. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, If you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they have so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. Join me in welcoming Wilson Casado, co-founder and managing partner of the Australian operations of the international management consulting firm Visagio, as well as chair and deal screening and selection at Perth Angel Investors, and a passionate leader extraordinaire who revels in creating transformation in entrepreneurs, businesses, and systems, reaching so many sectors and countries. Welcome back, Wilson. 
Thank you, Ishai. It was a pleasure to be back. Yeah. And on Insight Tuesday, we covered your journey, your experience, and also some of the core values and lessons for you that include the respect and kindness and treating your team and in any business, treating the team as family, not just as though there's one person at the top who makes decisions separate from everybody else, one or more people, but to really have that much less stratified and much more transparent and in a very we, or as we said before, collective you, not just the singular you. Uh, So thank you for sharing that on Insight Sunday and about how important and how that has really shaped and helped you and Visagio help other companies really overcome many challenges and how that's such a differentiator in the way that the plural, the collective you work at Visagio. So if you haven't yet, go back and listen to Insight Sunday's episode with Wilson. And so kind of jumping back in today, I wanted to thank you again for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch. I appreciate you, Shai. So those chairs were pretty good for us to reflect as well. Yeah, my pleasure. So I wanted to start and ask a little bit about some of your memorable lessons. Can you remember one of your really big learning experiences? Can you bring us into that moment? What happened before, after, what a key takeaway was? Just to clarify, Shai, if I can. Yeah. So I interest for me to deep dive in whole career and get grabbing some of those moments? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You have an audience of entrepreneurs. There is one thing that would be great to share experience with second company that I started, which I started as a sole founder. And I did talk about Avalanche or, you know, the sort of gigantic job that you have to do when you're starting a company, when you're trying to grow it. And to do that alone was just a crazy idea, a mm. impossible task. So you work for some time, but I got to the point was a completely burnout. Mm. So that pretty much was the end of that business. So, so when it got to the point of burnout, so I had to accelerate an exit and when you accelerate is it? So what do you expect to, to get out of it? it? It doesn't come as you expected. Yeah, so I'm hearing that when you founded, when you were a sole founder of a company and you were running, it sounds like almost everything or everything on your own, that there was a process of it really demanding and requiring so much from you and taking so much out of you that you found yourself over time in the state of burnout. And I wanted to share with you, I actually have a kind of formula or definition for burnout. I wanted to see if that lines up with your experience or what you think of it. The way I think about burnout is burnout is what happens when when exhaustion continues to exist over time. And I think about exhaustion as when our bodies and our brains tell us that we are very low on resources, that Mm. we don't have enough. It's kind of like if you think about our phone batteries or our batteries, when they're running low on charge. And as that continues over time, there's this increasing risk of just the whole system dying, in a sense. Just the phone kind of dying on you, and now you can't get anything out of it. It's totally finished. And I think about burnout as that state where the, you know, the exhaustion, which is our alarm that says, hey, your battery is low. It's going on for a long time, and we're not responding or, or charging or recharging it for whatever the reasons are. There could be so many reasons. And then as that continues, eventually, yeah, there's no more juice. And so there's nothing left to give. 
So I want to see what you think of that. I never, with this, the first time that I hear this definition of burnout, and I love the analogy. So it's like at the beginning, you charge and go again, you charge and go again, you charge and go again. And with time, your battery doesn't charge full anymore. Uh, that's exactly mm-hmm. how it feels until, until when, you know, you, you cannot wake up and work with the pleasure anymore. So you just need to change, you need to stop. Mm. Yeah. So there's such a big difference. And I'm hearing you learn this lesson really the hard way in this second business that you founded as a solopreneur, that there's a difference between really depleting the battery and not, I think about it as almost not listening or ignoring or thinking that you're supposed to ignore when our battery, when our body is saying, hey, we need a break, we need to recharge and trying to tell us that we need something else, that there's another priority, an urgent one, that when we don't listen to that, then yeah, and every time, using the phone analogy, every time you kill the battery, it damages a little bit more. And then eventually you can't hold a charge anymore. And so you put that really beautifully is that that not being able to hold the charge, that charge is your passion and the passion can disappear. It's like, you can't hold that passion. You you can't even get yourself up out of bed to do it anymore. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's how I felt. Mm. And then of course, at that point, when you're talking about the accelerated exit, there's this, I can only imagine the kind of pressing need to get that away or get that out, to get yourself away from that. And that state kind of leaves you in a place where there isn't energy and time to really continue investing and do that in a way that allows the value of that company to really show and shine and and, and that exit to really be a step-by-step exit. It's just, I need to get away from this and I'll, I'll do whatever it takes almost, or I'll, I'll cut some corners as it were. That's exactly the sentiment. So, you know, you know, don't have any time to negotiate. You don't have any time to think about it. It's not rational anymore. You know, the way you're going to articulate the value of the business, like you said. So at that point in time, any exit is a success and any exit is very likely not to be what expected in the beginning. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to explore a little bit further and ask, so since then, have you shifted or noticed differently when you are feeling exhausted or feeling depleted? And what do you do in those scenarios that is different perhaps than previously? I was talking today with a business founder who is a solo founder. Mm -hmm. And... Interesting enough, he was very interested because I'm one of the investors in his company and he was very keen to, to show me the progress that's happening in the business and, you know, how they are gaining new clients and, and having adoptions of the technology and et cetera. So I could see the whole body language in the whole, uh, you know, as I keep coming back to the questions about how are you? And what you're doing to look after yourself. And sure enough, he started to share with me losses that he's having Mm. because the compromise of the family side, of the health side Mm. to keep the business running. So now you asked that question. It just brought me that conversation was five hours ago. Mm. I think from that experience that I had when that happened to me, my awareness and the time that I put 
in well-being, in my own health, and my in make sure that you know so I have a proper full battery every time that I need it. So it's like completely changed my my behavior. So mm. I, I know it's in a business behavior, in a business sense. Well, that sort of sense of going solo it just became a no-no. So every new venture, that's not a consideration. So he, from that on, having the right business partners is a requirement for any new venture. And as I just mentioned with the example of my colleague in the other startup, also, I know family, myself, I become such an integral part of doing business. So don't, 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 don't go ahead without making sure that that those moments, uh, exist. There's those moments to replenish exist. Yeah. Wow. So I'm hearing that it coming out of that experience, you made some hard rules, hard lines for yourself. One is that no more solo ventures because that really took way too much out of you. And you found yourself in that cycle of draining the battery until it was dead and then really not being able to hold passion anymore. And that is the bane of the entrepreneur. It's the the thing that they're afraid of, that we as entrepreneurs would be afraid of is can't wake up, can't do the work, can't even think about it, just, just want or need to get away from it. And I'm also hearing that you've been much more focused and intentional about what we often call self-care, at least uh, in the psychology world. It's something that showed up 15, 20 plus years ago and is now moving a little bit more into mainstream around the importance of caring for ourselves because we cannot take care of anything else. It reminds me of the uh, what they used to say on airplanes. I think they still do. Put on your own oxygen mask before putting on anybody else's. And the importance really of being aware of what we need in order to care for ourselves and then making sure that we prioritize that in a way that allows us to continue functioning optimally. Yeah, definitely. I like your analogies, man. You made it up quickly or you, you have a book for that? <laughs> I think about it in that way. I think oftentimes it's really helpful to, when we're talking about especially concepts that can be abstract, to use comparisons or similar circumstances. And so I have actually trained my brain to think that way. It's also a technique that I learned to do in the therapy room. And I think it's a technique that's really useful to make sense of anything and everything going on in our lives. Because the analogy is often, thank you. Analogies in my experience also often create a framework to also think about and add other elements that we may not have thought about. And they're not always perfect. So they fall apart a lot too. So you haven't encountered that today necessarily, but they definitely fall apart sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about and hear a little bit more, because I know we didn't quite touch on this, but I wanted to hear more today about it on how you think about culture in business, how you address that, and if there are what other elements there are for you, whether that's in your own business or professionally when you work with other companies, just to kind of hear a little bit more, hear you talk about that. We have discussed before about non-negotiables. When I think about culture in business, I do think about some non-negotiables. I also do think about what really differentiates your business from your competition. And it's very easy for people to think that, you know, my software is better or 
my, my ability to do an analysis is better than someone else. So I really believe that differentiations are not made in that sense. So I do believe that you have to do the technical side of the job with excellence for sure. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a is, is an element that has to be there. Mm-hmm. But really the differentiation come in the culture. So I believe that the client experience with your company is what will make you be chosen or be preferred when that client think about the competition. So given that that's what I believe, so then developing that culture in the company and actually making sure that so every element of the culture is repeated many times, is walk the talk in the day, in the every day. So it's, you know, that, you know, the leaders of the company do lead by example, you know, following those values, doing those things is really what will make sure that you have consistency in that culture. And we talk about family as a business concept as well. So having a team that, you know, look after each other as a family. So that's the importance of coaching the company. It's not easy because that's not something that we learned. So I'm, I'm like, I did my business school in the nineties, right? So in the nineties in the business school, that wasn't a common thing in the business to talk about the culture and the people side of it. So if you think about the, my generation is that generation that's leading the organizations today. So it hasn't come naturally in our training. So we need to learn that in the companies. So we really need to educate and how you do it and repeating and paying attention to that every day. So one thing that I learned the other day, sometimes the culture is not what you do every day as well, but what you don't let go. You mentioned before about the non-negotiables. When you see non-negotiables and if you just pretend that's not there and let go, that's also something that will affect the way you want to develop the culture. So it's, it's very important to call it when one of those non-negotiables are used. So I'm afraid of not you know, going too far here. So uh-huh. did, that, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I think you touched on some really important points uh, and I'd love to draw some of them out and talk more about them. One that I heard is that you talked about how many companies try to differentiate themselves just by the features of their product or their software, something being better or different than others. And the analogy that I'm actually reminded of is just about building a better mousetrap. And a business is not just about building a better mousetrap. Obviously, if your mousetrap doesn't catch mice, then it's not doing its job. So you need to do that thing. The product needs to be, or the deliverable needs to do in an excellent way what it is supposed to do, what it's intended to do. However, if that's all it is, then there's a lot of stuff on the inside, kind of like as if there might be termites that can really eat out from the inside what's happening. If what is happening inside of the company really is just about that mousetrap instead of about what's happening and how people are interacting. And I think about it as what's the process that unfolds? What's the interactions? What are the interactions that unfold between people and between your company and anyone who's interacting or interfacing with it? And so that's one thing I heard that's really important. Another thing I heard is that culture is about daily work, meaning it's consistent efforts. It's also about constantly learning. 
and you called it looking after each other. And that's what it is. It does take effort on a consistent, regular basis. And then I also heard something else, which I'm hearing is equally, perhaps even more important, is not letting there be any kind of backslide, not cutting slack on what you what we've talked about as the non-negotiables, not letting your values get moved aside in any circumstance, but to call them out on a consistent basis. And that's really important to do. And I find that so interesting. It's the, I believe Jim Collins actually talks about it. He says, what not to do is just as important, sometimes more important than what you do, what you are doing. And that reminds me of a, another analogy. So there's this, I'm going to get a little nerdy. In physics, they say entropy increases over time, which is like things get more chaotic or more messy over time. And I said, I have a particular different definition for chaos or entropy or mess. I think that a mess is the result of small efforts that we do not put in on a consistent basis. So how do we have this giant pile of clothes all over the place? Well, every day when we come back from work or when we change our clothes, we do not put in the small effort to put it in our hamper, to put it in our laundry bin. Instead, what we do, we take it off and we just throw it and we don't pay attention, right? So that's the small effort that is not exerted, that isn't put in, that then leads to this mess increasing. And then at some point it reaches a critical mass and now everything is a mess. I'll use that analogy with my teenage son, Ishai. Mm -hmm. I like the closest. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's exactly it. not letting go. Mm. And the importance of not letting go of those values. Because what happens when you let go of those values or you let it happen once is the next time, right? So another thing I say, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well, is experience informs future expectations. So when something happens and we let it go, that changes our future expectations and we come to start thinking that it is more okay, that it's more permissible, or that's now the way that we do things. So I really emphasize that very frequently is... When we, and I think it fits really well into this context, when we let something slide, that creates a new experience. And that experience informs the next expectation, which then will lead to people acting in ways that are in accordance with that new expectation. And it's just as important to not let things backslide as it is to create change or transformation in what you'd like to foster or create, nurture. I like it. Perfect. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 